1: Hello, and welcome back once again to the Speaking Freely podcast. I'm Privateer Latte, and as always, I'm joined by Pirate Tomsky. For those of you who've listened before, you'll know we pick a topic each week. One of us picks a subject, the other one will introduce the subject, and then we'll sort of go back and forth and express our feelings on it. So this week, the subject has been chosen by Pirate Tomsky, and that is Empathy versus Self-Ownership. So what do you want to say about that pirate Tomsky?
2: Okay, hello. Um good to be back. It's been a few weeks actually, um, due to various other um commitments. So we've not been able to do one of these for a while. Um but tonight, yeah, I wanted to talk about empathy versus self-ownership in the sense of um just thinking about when when you think about empathy. So I, I've done a lot of work, um personal development around empathy over the last few years um and trying to understand other people's viewpoints and trying to understand how other people see the world and how they experience the world which i guess is my definition of empathy it's trying to understand other people's perspectives but sometimes you can get into a situation where you are too empathetic or empathetic depending on how you say that word and if you are too if you express too much empathy i feel sometimes that you can kind of lose sight of your self and your own principles um and the the part around self-ownership is kind of what i mean is like ownership of your principles if you care too much about what other people think and you listen to other people more than you listen to yourself um kind of what kind of impact could that have on have on you as an individual um so, yeah, so it was just something that came to my mind um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, there's a lot of things on, you know, there's a lot of conversations on platforms like Twitter where people are just shouting at each other. Um, and I kind of thought to myself, how how much should I take other people's opinions into consideration um, without kind of losing sight of what I believe? So this is going to be very kind of philosophical i guess um from a from a conversation it's not really structured i don't really have any um specific examples in mind it's just kind of from a high level where where can we start drawing some of these boundaries around showing empathy for others versus protecting yourself a little bit i guess so yeah Yeah. that's it so i don't know what obviously we we send a message to each other ahead of these podcasts um so we know what the Topic is, but we don't talk about anything apart from the, what the topic is. So we don't pre talk about it. So, what are your initial thoughts when you, when I said I wanted to discuss this?
1: Um, my initial thoughts were very much it's, it's a subject I'm, I feel I'm quite close to. Um, empathy plays a big part in what I do and how I approach most things, both professionally and, and personally. But I do see. That sometimes i can spend too much time looking at the other person's viewpoint trying to take a, on board the other person's opinion and see where they're coming from more than i perhaps express my own opinion and i do see how there is this harm in that where sometimes too much ground is given because i'm i do get wrapped up in well you know they've got this going on or they've got that going on and therefore i should almost not yield to them but give more than i was willing to give to help this these people or to to do it a certain way um this is hard without giving examples but i've got none to hand that i can use um but it is something that i I do recognize that empathy can be a, a, a huge strength and there's a massive value in empathy but it can also be detrimental in in many many ways and i th- i think you're absolutely right to call it out in society at this moment i think empathy is perhaps valued above everything else and it gets to the point where people are, i i feel people are projected empathy where they don't really have it they don't care they don't have the um the interests of the other party at hand it's it, it comes back to the almost virtue signaling it's I'm going to show empathy to this group to this person because it's the right thing to do and even though I don't care and even though I don't actually have empathy I know that by showing uh, or expressing that I do have that empathy I will look like a better person and it it frustrates me that because I, I think that's where a lot of good goes to waste when people use it for self-interest um and it comes back to the second part of this the self-ownership it's you know the the pd I've been doing personally is is trying to not allow to to let myself get drawn in too much to the empathy of others to to wanting to please others and take more of a step back and say well what is the best outcome unilaterally not not for me not for them but overall what's the right thing to do what's the best outcome here for everyone rather than just the person who i've felt the empathy towards who's expressed a a story that's got me hooked if you like and and i think there's not enough of that goes on now in society i think society now concentrates more on On the one person rather than the collective and it's whoever's got the loudest voice and who is asking for the most sympathy tends to get the lion's share of the the decisions and people will give in or or push towards them
2: yeah so there's a couple of things there um so i mean another thing as well maybe from a definition perspective with empathy versus sympathy um, so those are two different things. Um, sympathy is f- kind of feeling sorry that someone else is going through an experience that you probably wouldn't want to go through yourself. Um, whereas empathy is more trying to understand what people are going through rather than just feeling sorry for them. Um, does that make sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it totally makes sense. But I think that's what I mean. I... I... I look at I approach most things looking from both angles or all three angles however many angles there are and try and look at where they're coming from and why they're coming with that viewpoint why they're coming with that complaint that opinion whatever it is they're bringing to the table I try and look at why see where that's come from and why it is that that's their position here and sometimes, I I say for me, I am very susceptible to it, and yeah, I think sometimes sympathy does play a part. But purely looking at empathy, um, I I do look too much into where other people are coming from and why they've got to that decision, rather than perhaps maybe the the outcomes of those decisions.
3: On yeah, own. yeah. So empathy. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me.
2: I mean, I, I think empathy is important. It's very important to try and understand the viewpoint of other people. But w- like, I guess from when you when you're trying to make decisions, empathy needs to be considered. But it isn't the only thing that needs to be considered. Um, you you live in the, we live in a, in a real world that has constraints. Um, and so if you are trying to if you're trying to please everyone or trying to understand everybody and trying to build something that is right for everybody, you'll end up building nothing that isn't right for anybody. Um, Or you'll end up creating something that isn't right for anybody. Um, And there's a couple of things there. So constraints is, like I say, I mentioned constraints is you have to work within the systems that you, you are part of. So you can't just smash the system to the ground and rebuild it, which is what a lot of, you know, people, you know, a lot of virtue signaling type of people want to do um you know when you talk about like black lives matter for example i don't want to get too political because i want to talk more philosophy, um about philosophy of it but you know they they basically they don't want to change the system within the rules they want to smash the system and rebuild it um based on what they want it's not and even when you look at them it's not even what they think the people who are affected by the the causes they stand up for would want it's what they want um, which is not empathy at all. It's just virtue signaling, using different political structures to try and break what's already, you know, break what's what's in place. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to mention as well was um, around some of this stuff is, is around um, discrimination. And I don't mean discrimination as in, um, you know, gender discrimination or um, uh, racial discrimination or anything like that. I everybody everybody discriminates all the time in every decision you make everyone assigns value to different things based on what's valuable to them and so it might be using a really simple example Um, value um, so at lunchtime you want to have something to eat um, because you value having food in your system and surviving rather than not having food in your system and not surviving And so you value having something to eat, but then you discriminate when you choose what you want to eat. And what I mean by that is that you, you exclude a whole bunch of options to choose the thing that you want, which is a form of kind of discrimination. And I don't mean, as I say, I don't mean it in a political sense, but you do it all the time. Whether you choose choose a certain brand of beer or you choose the house you want to live in, you have to exclude a whole bunch of options and you almost, uh, you almost choose different options and put constraints on yourself in order to make decisions and move forward. And that is kind of, if you look at the empathy side of things, empathy, when you listen to all these different people and you try and understand all these different viewpoints, but then you don't discriminate to make decisions, um, you can't actually move forward. You can't progress um, and you can't produce anything of any value. So I don't know if that's a bit left field from what what you were thinking about, but um, that's that's something else that's been playing on my mind as well.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's different than where I was coming from with this, but I I don't disagree with that. Um, I I do feel progress is restricted when when empathy is used too much in decision-making so for my, my example I always give is, is your stereotypical factory on automation if yeah. you purely make decisions via empathy then you'll never automate you'll never bring in machinery everything will always be handmade by a vast sea of workers um but to, to progress to, for the company to survive, you need to automate, you need to, um, continually grow and push the boundaries of what's possible, bringing uh, bring in new machinery. And yes, unfortunately, what tends to happen is you bring in a machine that replaces five jobs, mm. which is yep. if, you, if you base it pure on empathy, then, well, I don't want to do that because I don't want to have to lay off five members of staff. But ultimately what happens then is that the, the, the whole company dies and everyone gets laid off because you're going to get left behind by your competitors. And yes. I've, I've, I've seen that happen to companies who were perhaps too loyal to, uh, too empathetic to their staff at the detriment of the business in general. They, they didn't want to lay off. They didn't want to streamline. They didn't want to automate. They, they loved the values that they lived by, which was everything was handmade and crafted by workers that have been there their entire lives. And unfortunately was that business model. It wasn't sustainable, but they weren't willing to, to push and to, to perhaps move with the times. And that's where I see empathy me, again has been dangerous the whole well we don't want to do that because it it could take people's jobs it's potentially removing the need for a team of people by making this change or adding this new piece of machinery and i mean in the factory setting what tends to happen is those five jobs go and a new job is created or a new two jobs are created to run the machine so not everybody has to go, you can retrain, you can upskill, up- but unfortunately, as I say, it often gets in the way because it's seen as well, that's bad. Those poor people, their poor families, and I you know, it is horrible. I don't want anyone to lose their job. But at the same time, it's it's the balance of everyone losing their job because the business is no longer sustainable, or mm. a handful of people having to make way for modernization
2: yeah and you see that sometimes that's one example where I think unions sometimes go too far where they they are so on the side of the workers with I mean that most of the people are workers in an organization but uh, in my view a good union balances the the will of workers being treated fairly and a business being able to survive and some unions Go too far the other way, where they're all about workers and not about the business surviving. Um, so they i don't even know if I'd call that empathy from a from a union point of view. I think they like to think they're wrapped in empathy, but I think there's a lot of politics in there as well. So yeah, it is—it's a difficult balancing act when you need to—you need to protect the companies need to develop and stay competitive yeah. um, within a marketplace, but at the same time. You need to understand that you do have a workforce that needs to be understood and maintained to a certain degree, um, and it's that's the balancing act. Is the politics in between those two extremes?
1: It is, and you know, you, uh, you say it could be politics that stands in with some unions, and I, I'm not going to argue against that. But I'd also say sometimes it's it's just pure short sightedness. It's, uh, yeah, it's yeah yeah Purely looking yes. at the, the employee and the staff and it's all about them and saving everyone's jobs, getting everyone paid the most. And there's no overall business viewpoint of what well, actually, what are the long-term repercussions of saving these staff and raising yeah. these salaries?
2: So just to clarify, when I talk about politics in this context, I'm talking about the art of discussion and debate Okay. I'm not talking about left versus right within political parties. I'm talking about the two sides need to negotiate with each other to come out with to come up with some kind of outcome. That's that's when I talk about politics in this situation. I don't care if you're far left, far right, middle of the road. That's not what I mean when I talk about politics in this context. It's the ability for unions or for for organizations to um, negotiate with each other, basically.
1: Okay. yeah, that's cool. Um but it, it, is that. It, Sorry, go on. It, it is that it's it is that it's it's an interesting thing you said there. It's it's the discussion and the ability to come out with a a reasonable outcome. That for me is the biggest thing that I think is is getting lost. And it's it's the theme I feel for every show we've done so far is as a society, as a people, we've lost the ability to debate and discuss. It, it immediately goes to yeah, it immediately goes about same to, Yeah, yeah. It go, it goes to violence, petition um petitioning and protesting and hate. There's no discussion, there's no grown up communication between two sides to come out with a middle ground or a happy outcome. It's immediately my way or death. Mm, and yeah. that, I think that's Again, where empathy comes in, because it's very easy to feel empathy and to see the side of one persuasion or another in a particular argument. But that's only because the other side is often not been represented. And when they are represented, they're yeah displayed as something that they're not. They're, they're edited they're shown in a way that's negative yeah. and i'm getting to, I'm getting into politics Or the de- demonized yeah. for some
2: for, in some way shape or form. that's the word I was looking for yeah yeah so it's interesting though when you talk about the um the one thing that when you used your example of, of the the work um the work on automation um the one thing that came to my mind immediately which was which showed a complete lack of empathy. Was um, I can't remember which year it was. I'm thinking 2017, 18. There was a thing on Twitter about a lot of factory workers were laid off. Um, uh, within the coal, I think it was coal mine workers were laid off in, in America. And a lot of journalists in the states were on Twitter with they created a hashtag. Learn to code. Did you hear about this?
1: Yes. Yeah, I did
2: so. It was mostly journalists, but it was other people as well. They basically the the, the whole kind of premise of that, for my understanding, was, oh, you've lose you've lost your job. Well, just learn to code. You know, so there was just like a complete lack of empathy to understand what these people are going through, and they just created like a social media movement telling people, well, you know, if you want a job doing something else, just completely uproot your education, and start again at the age of fifty when you've been coal mining for twenty five years and just learn to code and you'll get a job immediately. And it was just like the complete lack of understanding and empathy from the people who were saying that was, um, it was just incredible. And I think the the learn to code hashtag was actually, I think it ended up being banned because it was, or it ended up causing some kind of people who used it were getting banned. Um, and then what happened a few years later when a lot of the, um, a lot of news journalists were being laid off. Um, people started using that again against them. So the, um, the lack of empathy went completely the other way yeah. um, to people who were looking at journalists who were losing their jobs and basically said, oh, well, you can just learn to code now as well. So it was quite funny and it was ironic, but doesn't really help the um, harmony of, of of a civilization to um, have, have this kind of lack of empathy on both sides. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of that as well. Uh, and it's so easy as well online to to just throw out a hateful comment to someone who you'll never know, you'll never meet. Um, and as anyone who's ever used the internet knows, or has probably done, you get as much back as you give out. Uh, okay, so, yeah. So, so that's, um, that's another thing around, uh, I think, the empathy piece is, again, tied into a lot of the, I mean, the reason why we keep coming back to the same subjects, I feel, at the moment is, or the same themes, is because we have been locked in our houses for a year yeah yes. so it's like you know it's not the kind of thing where we can it is at the top of everyone's mind is you know all this kind of stuff and there's a you're kind of forced online to communicate with people and so when when you're forced into the online world to talk about things and debate on, on with on these platforms it's kind of at the forefront of your mind you start seeing all the problems with the platforms um you start seeing all the behaviors of people who are now forced into the online world more than they would have been. Um, so yeah, so that's, I'm not surprised we keep coming back to the same themes.
1: No, me neither. They they are, yes, they're, they're obvious themes and they're things, themes that will keep coming up over and over again, because they are, they are important and they are lacking in a lot of cases in society today. Um, you sent me a documentary over the weekend uh, that i watched and I'm trying to find the name of it now. It's uh, called the hooks. the hooks and I thought that explained it very, very well. And that, that was the theme that came from that documentary for me was from both sides of the debate in, and there, were, there were different debates discussed, but from both sides of the debate, a complete lack of willingness to communicate.
2: Mm. Yeah,
1: <clears throat> the walls up, and nobody is allowed to talk, no one is allowed to communicate with each other. It's purely throwing accusations, lies, shaming each other.
2: Yeah, misrepresentation, then, all that stuff.
1: Yeah, and then wondering why people like I would say people outside of media people outside of that that loop why they're disenfranchised why they have a massive amount of distrust when it comes to the media news outlets social media journalists on there that people are trying to bring the truth potentially will be ignored and and labeled as uh you know uh
2: yeah, some form scare- of conspiracy theorist or something like that. Yeah, scaremongering, yeah.
1: conspiracy theorists and ultimately just completely ignored. And uh, anything they print, anything they say, is is a, is just yeah, villainized. As-
3: Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot.
1: you can't believe anything because every single person is lying. So therefore we end up with no empathy because you can't have empathy when you think everyone's lying. It's, it's the complete opposite of what we're talking about now, which is when you don't believe anything you see, read, hear, then how can you feel empathy? How can you want to help and progress society? Because again, you're disenfranchised, you're not part of anything. Everything's just a lie and people are just lying to you to get their viewpoint. They're lying to you to, to gain in somehow um, that documentary objectifies quite, I think quite well. The, the mainstream media being in it for profits, which is why yeah. certain, certain standpoints, certain viewpoints are ratings winners. You talk about the right person and more people tune in than if you don't talk about that person. So, of course, that's what happens. Everyone's just talking about the same things over and over again, regurgitating them, whether they're true or not, whether they're important or not, whether it's actually just a distraction or not. It doesn't matter because from their standpoint, that is going to gain viewers, and that's all we're in it for, or to push a political agenda.
2: Yeah, it's just the I mean the hoax thing I didn't realize I didn't think you were going to bring that up today. <laughs> um yeah, sorry. Ryan, just I, that. I, I mean, no, it's fine. I mean it, it is it is a really good documentary but I, it has been demonized because of what it talks about. Um as well it's been it's another one of those where you know the guy it, it, the podcast um, the the um documentary is called Hoaxed by Mike Cernovich. Um now a lot of people may know who Mike Cernovich is or not but he's uh he did this documentary in 2000 Nineteen, I think it was. Um, I only watched it over the weekend, and it was just really interesting. So, if you haven't seen it, it it's on YouTube. You can go and watch it on on YouTube, um, or you can go to Hawks' website and I think you pay to rent it. Um, but the thing, the, the, just around the whole the whole media thing for a moment, is when you look at traditional media, it's a dying industry. Um, there are so many new, more modern uh cheap to run um cheap to produce cheap to create star you know you could you could almost um uh what's the word i'm looking for you could get a lot of freelancers to become your reporters and host a channel on youtube that costs a lot less than running a multinational massive media franchise and i, I see the modern i see old school media uh, or traditional media as a dying beast that's lashing out yes and so the sensationalization and the lack of understanding and to tie it back to the empathy point is they don't care they really do not care whether a story is true whether it's truly representative um whether it shows both sides of a, of a position on something all they want to do is push a narrative which drives ratings which drives ad revenues to to keep them in business um and that's where I think the danger is. And, you know, I understand they are a business and they do need to, you know, turn a profit, et cetera. But my feeling is that a lot of media outlets are doing it at the expense of being uh, truthful um, and trying to present stories in a meaningful and truthful way. But this is nothing new. It's been going on for a long, long time. I just feel it's more extreme now because new media companies are threatening them directly. Uh so yeah, yeah
1: so so well, yeah, I think it's we, interesting we We can see examples of it every day um when you turn on the news now, where the truth you know they for for me, I always think they <clears throat> they appear to base their stories on the truth, but then twist it and perhaps exaggerate it in a way that serves them best and serves either the narrative that will get more viewers or the narrative that suits their political agenda whichever one comes first for me, which is yeah. why I, I feel you've, we talked about, I think, in the first show, you've, you've got to really force yourself to, to view both sides because there are always two sides to any news story. And unless you're willing to open your mind a bit and have a look at both sides of the coin and use a bit of empathy... And a little bit of self ownership to to decide what your truth is out of that, then you're always going to just be be led by other people's politics. Yeah, you, know, mm. you, you know, it's for me. If, if you just watch, I don't want to use the BBC because I know you particularly dislike them. But I'll <laughs> well, use I, I News dislike
2: News but, a I dislike a bunch of them. I dislike Sky News as well. But you know, yeah, um, I do if, still read their you, stuff.
1: I don't if need the BBC only, anymore. No. But if you only use Sky News as your source of truth in the UK, obviously, in the US, you've you, CNN, you've NBC, and whatever else. But if you just view Sky News, then your view of the world is what they want it to be. You're allowing that corporation, Rupert Murdoch, and his team to tell you what the world is like outside your window especially in lockdown in the scenario we are now where we're not getting out and about. So you turn on Sky News and you see thousands of young people raving in a and leaving it absolutely destroyed. And you believe that that's exactly what's happening every day outside your window. But then you yeah. can turn on other channels. You can turn on YouTube. You can go online and see for yourself. That's not the case. And it's not actually happening everywhere. Yes, there are pockets of it happening, but there always were. It, it's, a, it's a very convenient narrative to be able to tell. Much like yeah. the whole, and I don't want to get into this because I, I feel we don't have time ever to discuss all of it, but the whole Trump versus Hillary Clinton from back in 2016. Depending who you watched on the, on the news, Trump was the devil or the Messiah, and so was Clinton she was she was either the devil or the Messiah, depending on who you knew, who you watched who you got your, your news from so if you only allow yourself to be influenced by one news source, then that is your truth. Trump's the Messiah, Clinton's the devil that's it, yep fact but if if you push push yourself and allow yourself to look at the other standpoint, you see you know. They're both idiots in their own way. And they're both good in their own way. It depends which truth you want to believe. And it depends what means most to you. And that's where your, your self-ownership, for me, comes into it. It's what, what matters most to you. What what do you want? What, do, what are you looking for in your news, in your politicians? And find that. Don't let other people tell you where it is. Find it for yourself. Well, and also
2: listen directly to what they say like yes uh, you know don't don't just watch the editorialized conversations or or parts of the speech that they put into a narrative of whatever you know and and i mean i'm on both sides i mean just just to clarify one thing though rupert murdoch doesn't own sky news anymore comcast own it now he sold it a few years ago to comcast so um but yeah i mean i just wanted to correct that just that's not anything to do with this conversation but um yeah, no, I, I get it. And you do see people on one side of the aisle not looking at the other. Um, and they just don't talk to each other anymore. You know, there's no, I mean, Question Time in the UK, I mean, for people who aren't, who aren't um, from Britain, um, Question Time has been something, it's been, it's been a TV show that's been on a Thursday night for the last, what, 30, 40 years or something? Uh, maybe that's wrong. I don't know how long it's been on. It's been a long, long time, though and the idea is is that it's like a panel show where they talk about the politics of the day so the idea is that the the panel is supposed to be balanced between left and right um because the bbc being funded by the british taxpayer is supposed to represent all positions uh and that would be an ideal place to start you know to say right we're going to have a, we're going to have a debate about the news of the day We're going to have people from the left, people from the right, people down the middle, wherever their positions are. We're going to have a sample of those people on the panel, Um, and that would be a good starting point, but that doesn't happen. I mean, and even that show has has got um, one particular type of bias over the other, Uh, and I started noticing that about 15 years ago. Um, I don't know what it was like before, because I didn't really watch it before then, but so even when you try and build a platform that is somehow balanced, you still it still ends up leaning one way or the other. So you have to do your own research. You know, there's enough information out there for people to look uh, and to to listen to what the left saying about something, and listen to what the right saying about something, and try and understand both both positions. Um, you know, I understand. There's if we just look at some of the some of the riots that are going on at the moment about you know the um the woman who was murdered, I can't, was it Sarah Evergard or something? Sarah? I can't remember her last name, but um, for for people who don't know, this was a woman who was murdered a few weeks ago by a police officer, um, just in the, in the north of London, I think it was, or somewhere around London. London. And it caused like protests um, uh, uh, in the south of, of England. and, there, there were people saying, uh, talking about how bad the police were, and it was like one guy who happened to be a police officer ended up killing this woman. Although that is, he's still alleged, he hasn't been sentenced. So let's let's go with innocent until proven guilty, which a lot of press don't do. Um, but effectively, because this person was a police officer and this wo- and he allegedly murdered this woman, people were ask- people were talking about defunding the police. Um, again this has started coming up in the UK there was one woman there was a member of the house of lords saying that men should have a 6pm curfew in the UK so it's like <laughs> they've just taken a position and they've they've gone to one to completely radical positions without looking at it and saying and you know talking from a selfish point of view as being a man um you know I'm and, and obviously I'm not a police officer but you know it, just all it would have taken is for some of these people to think if I make this statement about 6 p.m. curfew for men what do i think men are going to think about that or if we're talking well, about defunding police what is that going to look like from the police side of things and i mean i'm approaching it from the angle of my own biases because i mean locking up all, lock, i mean we're already on lockdown anyway so you know the 6 p.m. curfew is nothing new but at least they're being assholes to everyone um with the uk lockdowns <laughs> they're not just targeting one group of people so yeah. I think just looking at, trying to understand, like, this was one person, one person who killed one person, allegedly. And it, they've just gone yeah. to the races with it, and they've gone into extreme positions. And empathy so, in that position, I mean, especially for a, ma- a member of the House of Lords, you would expect them to have a bit more nuance um, say, in how they approach it. I will say that
1: the, 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 the statement that you, you're quoting there the 6pm curfew for men i i i watched that in response to it had been suggested by earlier by another member of the house of Lords that maybe women should be advised not to go out at, at night and if they do to go out in groups so her response uh, was, okay. well, her response was why should women have to basically have a curfew they're not the ones killing people yeah. Tell men well, to, tell men to. Have a, I know but it was technically her, her women. Daughter,
2: technically, women do kill men, but yeah,
1: <laughs> they do. Yeah, but but the, her response was basically an incredulous response to, her, "Well, hang on, a man has come to kill a woman, so you're saying, well, all women should just stay indoors then to stay safe? Why why aren't men made to stay indoors so women are safe? On that? Well, scene. there you go. She 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 was turning the she was just trying to turn the argument around, but as as we're trying to say with this it was spun that look at this hysterical woman making such a ridiculous statement. And he's like, well, no, she was just pointing out how ridiculous the other guy's statement was, but no one's reporting his statement. Everyone's reporting. it as her saying that in isolation that she's just sat there. And I don't know. I thought, Oh, I know what solve all murders. Put men in lockdown from 6pm every night. That, that well, was go. Out.
2: Yeah. That are not my own rules
1: now. No, no. And, and, and you know, I I I had purely looked that up because when it came out, I was like, what a ridiculous thing for her to say. And that's only going to make things worse. And I happened to see it on Twitter. I didn't even go looking. I saw it on Twitter, a longer version of it showing, I, I don't know all our members of the House of Lords, but some guy in the House of Lords suggesting, well, maybe we should suggest women, as I say, stay at home in an evening or only go out in groups. On an evening so that they are safer and she said how ridiculous the 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 way to solve a problem of a woman being murdered by a man isn't to lock women up why don't we lock men up uh how would you like me to say let's have a six pm curfew for men and it's like yeah it is ridiculous but that's what that was another thing that had been suggested that was equally stupid it's like hang on why don't you punish the people who have committed the murders and leave everyone else who isn't a murderer alone why does everyone have to be tarnished with the same brush?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, that, and you'll have to send me a link to that because I, I didn't really – it was something I looked at in passing. But you see, even someone like me who tries to look at both sides yeah. get get caught out all the time with this stuff because it's just – there's, like, so much going on. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to see more of that. So you'll have to send me a link to it afterwards um, to try and understand the full thing. So, uh, yeah, well, I, I was obviously caught out by that myself. Um I'm, so, yeah. I'm
1: trying searching my phone now to find where I saw it,
3: <laughs> but I wasn't you when I found it. Well,
2: you don't have to do it right now, uh, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I guess the the other thing, I mean, obviously, we've gone down a bit of a rabbit hole of, of media there, but I think media is a big part of, I think there is a, a, a significant lack of empathy with media, which causes a, a cascade effect to other people to not care about different groups of people or to not care about individuals, really, which comes on to like the self ownership perspective, Um, and I mentioned this in the I don't know if it was the last podcast or the podcast before um, about offending people, and you know there there seems to be this is where I think sometimes empathy is overplayed in the sense that we we're almost building a we're almost trying to build a society where. Nobody gets offended by anything that anyone says, yes. uh, or, or they don't want to be offended by other people's opinions, or vice versa. Um, and empathy has a role in society to understand the position of someone else. Doesn't mean you agree with their position. So you might sit there and you might sit down and think, right, I'm going to try and look at the world from this person's perspective and sit there and think about it and maybe do a bit of research or whatever and then still come out with the same position you were before and say, no, actually, I disagree with this, and this is why I disagree with it. And at least you've tried to understand the other side of it before you've then said, actually, I think I'm right, or I think my position is this. I don't like using the word right and wrong, but especially when you talk about this, because it is all, all subjective and, and everything. But I think that's also another thing that people need to think about is don't just go like a, you know, a bull in a china shop running in with, I'm right, you're wrong which is what you've talked about before, but actually spend a bit of time to try and think about things from other people's perspectives. It might be that you end up in the exact same place. It might be that you change your mind or you rethink uh, your positions on things. But to actually at least consider the other perspective is better than not considering it at all. Um, and that goes for everyone across the spectrum um, of of ideas and, and politics, et cetera. So I kind of wanted to... Um, I just wanted to point out as well. Um, I know this has been a little bit all over the place as a podcast, um, and we've covered various topics, which we, we could spend a lot more time going into more depth in certain subjects that we've talked about. But um, I think that's pretty much all I wanted to say on it tonight.
1: Yeah, I think I think we've we've covered everything and gone off on some random tangents. But as always, it's been worth it. So yeah, I think we've well, covered everything then.
2: Thank you. That's what we do. Exactly. So, yeah. Um so yeah, okay, I'll I'll stop speaking um and I'll let you finish with the outro, but uh thanks for listening everybody.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for listening and as always if you have anything that you want to comment on what we've been discussing or any topics you'd want us to talk about or questions you have for either of us, please fire them through. Uh, subscribe and like us if you wish. If you don't wish, then feel free not to. And uh, we'll catch you next time, and hopefully it won't be as long. Bye for now.
2: Bye, everyone.